for me, I like the evergreen. I'd like I'd rather do something well once and get paid over and over and over again for doing that well once. And you know, with PPC, there's nothing wrong with it. I just I just decided that I was going to go all in on my time and put in the energy and effort to do things right organically. Um, so that's just always been my model. Hey friends, welcome back to the Carrot Cast podcast. I'm your host, Brady Winder, and this is the podcast where we help agents and investors like yourself dial in your online marketing and build businesses of freedom and impact. Uh, this episode is our monthly market harvest report where we bring you the data and the insights from the industry that matter most. I've got my co-host with me, Mr. Tyler Ford. Welcome back, Tyler. How's it going, hey, man? Hey, Brady. Appreciate you having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah. And our guest today, Mr. Ryan Ingram, uh, investor from Dayton, Ohio. How you doing, Ryan? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks. Good, man. Good. So what we're going to do here is we're going to dive into the data behind the scenes at Carrot just for a couple minutes real briefly here. And then uh, we're going to toss it over to uh, Ryan and Tyler to see what they're uh, seeing in their markets. So we've got Tyler um, from Tucson, Arizona, over a million population. And then we have Ryan from Dayton, Ohio, uh, 150, 200,000, much smaller market. And so it's be an interesting conversation on the differences that they're seeing uh, in the smaller versus large markets and what we're seeing as far as transactions right now, uh, Tyler being an agent and investor, and also um, uh, Ryan, the volume that he's doing, what he's seeing with his investment properties. Uh, Ryan, you have a portfolio of, we said, over or over 400 properties right now? Yes, sir. Uh, we'll topple that 400 mark this Friday. So we're at like 398, 399 right now. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at the data here and then we will dive into the conversation. Um, and Tyler, feel free to pop in if you have any thoughts on this. Um, so we're looking at November 1st through November 30th. So this is uh, last month. Um, or two months ago, if you're listening to this in January. But uh, basically what we're seeing is that the number of people visiting carrot sites, can, it's continued to dip slightly, um, even from uh, October, which is pretty typical for the winter season. Um, so not a lot new there. And then as far as leads, we're seeing a very similar thing. We're down about uh, 12% this month versus the month prior, and uh, just slightly more, about 13.4% for this month versus the previous year. And this is uh, this is all leads coming to Carousite, so primarily uh, motivated sellers. So we're seeing uh, slightly lower uh, interest here. Uh, what, what are you seeing, Tyler, right now as far as your uh, lead volume? I know last Mark Harvest, we were talking about Google updates and uh, yeah. Well, lead volume for me, I would agree with this. Mine's down slightly. And I think that, you know, there's a lot. Number one, heading into the holidays. Um, I like this time of year because when somebody wants to sell and they're motivated, they're usually really motivated and uh, you can get in and get things done super quick. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of sellers out there that are what I call rate locked to where uh, even if they're motivated, the expense and what they're seeing in terms of renting is actually more expensive than trying to figure out a way to keep their house unless they absolutely have to sell. So hmm. my lead volume, even though organically all my rankings show that I'm still strong and, and ranked really, really well, my, my lead traffic is, it has been down over the last couple of months when, as, as a result of interest rates going up. 
Mm. Even with the uh, the lower lead volume on the organic side, are you still doing a similar amount of deals? Uh, with, yeah, with we're doing it. So I'm off this year. I didn't do as many as I did the previous year. Um, so I, I'm still doing deals. I mean, I like to average one to three deals, all organic. There's no PPC. Uh, there's no direct mail. So everything I do is organic SEO through Carrot. Hmm. Um, and um, we're still doing at least one a month. I mean, I like to be more in the two to three to four a month, uh, which which hasn't been the case this year. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, we're still we're still doing deals. Absolutely. That's cool to hear, man. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Um, as far as, uh, which channels are doing well right now, uh, direct is still the, uh, the bulk, the lion's share of where leads are coming from people going directly to the website. Um, second, we got organic search, uh, just under 300,000 visitors to carrot sites last month, which is interesting. And then, um, and then paid search right below that. So similar to what we've seen in past months, um, yeah, primarily direct and then organic search and then paid search below. Okay, and so if we go over to uh, leads by channel, we're actually seeing direct is in third place. Um, the most leads are being driven by organic search or being driven by SEO. Uh, and then second to paid search, uh, Google PPC, Google Ads. Um, and then third is direct. So we've got the most leads coming from SEO and then PPC and then people coming directly to uh, the website. And as far as what's converting the highest right now is the other channel. Uh, just kidding. Uh, this is a, a catch-all bucket. We don't know exactly what that is. Um, uh, anyways, the highest converting channel we're seeing right now is paid search at 3.68% visitor to lead conversion. Um, and then uh, organic search just below that, almost the same at 3.62. So Google Ads and SEO are both converting well right now, uh, significantly more than... Um, uh, social, or even people coming directly to the website, email, things like that. Um, anything you're seeing as far as, uh, well, you kind of spoke on it, Tyler, but as far as like the quality of lead, anything else you want to mention there? Yeah, the call, I mean, organic and paid, you know, pretty close race. And uh, again, we've just really been all in on on the organic side of things. So uh, yeah, it's good to see that uh, I've got a lot of competition as well that does a lot of PPC on Google that you know, that are up there in the top one, two, three, four. Uh, and then I like to be right there, number one organically. So that's always been, that's always been my, my game plan and my goal just to maintain that uh, high organic ranking and not mm. have to pay for stuff. Um, one quick question before we get into our topic here, you're not running Google ads right now, but you have in the past, was any part of that decision seasonal? I have in the past, you know, I've always just, I don't know. I just said, for me, I like the evergreen. I'd like I'd rather do something well once and get paid over and over and over again for doing that well once. Mm -hmm. And you know, with PPC, there's nothing wrong with it. I just I just decided that I was going to go all in on my time and put in the energy and effort to do things right organically. Um, so uh, that's just always been my model. But I did, you know, when I first started my carrot sites and they weren't ranking because. Organic SEO is you got to let it marinate. It takes some time. It's a six to 12 month thing. You've got to have realistic expectations. It's not yeah. something that happens overnight. So for those that, you know, do have a newer carrot site and they're not ranking yet, I mean, going the PPC way is definitely the way to go. Hmm. Thanks for the insight there. Um, so 
Ryan, I'll, I'll kick it over to you. I'm curious uh, what you're seeing in your market right now as far as uh, acquisition. Tell us a little bit about your your business model first so people have context. Uh, what are you guys doing? Sure. Uh, my brother and I started buying some rental properties back in 2017 here in Dayton, uh, which is a little bit of a unique market compared to a, a, a lot of other real estate investors that I speak with about their markets. So I imagine that the things that I say aren't going to be too congruent with like the, the national norm, so to speak. But uh, we have a portfolio of right at about 400 doors that we have built since 2017. Uh, this year, we've purchased right around 200 properties and December of 22. Uh, that will be probably our largest month where we're lined up to buy about 27, hopefully 28 doors. Uh, we did buy 27 doors in May as well, but some of those were in a package. Uh, generally, we buy individual single family homes. So I think, especially when you're putting stuff out uh, on the World Wide Web, I think it's really important kind of for me to put myself in the appropriate box, right? So what we do is we buy single family homes and these, I would say our average purchase price is somewhere around like the $60,000, $70,000 mark. And these things are rented out for anywhere between uh, $800 to $1,200 per month. So I don't have much experience or any expertise in like the markets as a whole, but Dayton in the single family home space, I can have a good conversation about that. Hmm. Um, what does acquisition look like? So you said about 27 homes this month, you did about 27 in May. Have you guys seen any sort of a dip uh, or any sort of an increase as the market has shifted the last few months? As the market was getting really hot earlier on uh, this year, kind of like a continuation of, I suppose, 2020, 2021 or so, the prices were going up um, and the competition as far as other buyers were pretty high as you know interest rates were pretty low and it seems like the competition has backed out i haven't noticed any kind of appreciable difference in the amount of leads but i will say there's definitely been a uh, lack of competition where there are times where i may be the only offer or uh my offer will get declined and then a couple weeks later the seller will come back and revisit our offer so i, I will say that has picked up a lot recently. Hmm. Interesting. So you said you're not, you're not seeing a dip in leads. Tyler, what are you seeing in your market as a, uh, with literally with your agent hat on right now, EXP, what, what are you seeing as an agent in Tucson? Yeah. I mean, the benefit to me is I'm an investor agent, so it's easy for me to pivot, but, um, you know, I'm in an office, I run an office EXP office with agents and, uh, you know, a lot of them are struggling and the biggest eye opener for me and each and every month, you know, I really dive into the numbers and I do a, I do a monthly video update on YouTube to go over our local market. And the biggest eye opener for me was the number of closed transactions for the month of uh, November. And it's as low as it's been since the 07, 08 meltdown to where in all of Tucson, there was a little over 600 units. And year over year, it's down by more than 50%. Uh, so, you know, in, in a normal market for us, transactionally, anywhere from about 1,200 to 1,500 units. And, and this last month, we there was only about 600 closed units. So, you know, there's a lot of agents right now that are struggling. And at the end of the day, 
Uh, I mean, I think 25 to maybe 35% of the agents uh, will end up disappearing and maybe coming back. But like Ryan said earlier, we were talking about it, you know, the more seasoned agents are going to do well. And uh, it's definitely an opportunity. It's just those that can weather the storm and, and stay in the game because at some point, uh, things will change. There'll be, you know, the, the Band-Aid will come off and uh, we'll be super, super busy. But right now it's as slow as it's been in a long time. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That, um, so what about on the investor side? How does it compare there? Well, it's good. Like I agree with Ryan. I mean, right now there's, you know, average days on market are going up. There's rate reductions. You know, you've got agents circling back around, you know, for offers that were made that weren't accepted. So sellers are now becoming a whole lot more reasonable. Uh, so the expectations are slowly starting to shift to where you know, sellers didn't have proper expectations and they're now starting to get them. And the other thing that you know, I'm, I'm letting people know is, you know, when you're looking at comps and a CMA, you really only want to go 30, maybe 60 days back, anything further back than that, mm. uh, both buyers and sellers will have unrealistic expectations for what this market is, is, is doing because it, it's happened so quickly. Uh, home prices, you know, to my surprise, home prices have pulled back, but not significant. So inventory levels, even though they've gone up, they're still low. So in order for home prices to really start to go down, I think inventory levels still need to go up, uh, but it, it definitely a more buyer-friendly market. Hmm. Yeah. We, our last episode, we talked with uh, Nicholas over his under homes. He had estimated what was it? One and a half to 2 million home shortage. We've heard anywhere up to five, uh, five million home shortage. Either way, it's right. a lot of homes. Right. Um, what's that like in Tucson? You think it's well, it is. And I think the big issue right now, and we talked about it last or last month, and that is people are rate locked to where, you know, they're, they're, let's say they're on a 30 year fixed at two and three quarters, 3%, you know, the height of where rates have been 7%. We've seen a little bit of pullback now we're in the mid sixes. Uh, but you know, sellers are rate locked to where they don't want to get off their low rate for a higher rate, and they don't want to pay for a more expensive home because their payments going up. So, in my opinion, I just think something's got to give. One of two things: you know, rates have to come down, home prices have need to come down, or a combination of both, in order to get people's debt to incomes in line so they can they can afford these current prices. So, I think the the big part of why things are as slow as they are, it's coupled with rent interest rates being going up and home values going up and have yet to pull back, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ryan, before we started the podcast, there were a couple of things you mentioned you wanted to speak on. Uh, just your thoughts overall on the housing market. Do you want to share what you were thinking there? Sure. Yep. I definitely agree that the housing shortage is probably the overarching and probably more important uh, thing to focus on. So I would say that real estate investing, especially inside that single family home uh, asset class is going to remain very solid. And, you know, I think towards a, a couple of different quotes or summarizations of both Charlie Munger and Howard Marks, Charlie Munger, you know, he said in an interview, sometimes the tide is with us and sometimes the tide is against us. But regardless, we kind of keep swimming. That coupled with Howard, Mar Howard Marks, kind of a summarization of a few of his points in his book, The Most Important Thing, is 
you know, when it comes to economic uncertainty, really the only thing that you can do is make decisions, investment decisions based on the information that you have on hand and, uh, and roll with it. And I think especially as a smaller entrepreneur, we have the luxury of being rather agile and being able to pivot and change strategies as quickly as the housing market can change, right? So, so long as we're cognizant of it, uh, as Tyler mentioned, dealing with the numbers, paying attention to those, I think it is always going to be profitable or always, there's always going to be a possibility for an entrepreneur to, to be profitable regardless of the economic condition. So Ryan, you've had a, you've had a pretty consistent, correct me if I'm wrong, you've had a pretty consistent investing model the last few years and you're acquiring properties, um, consistently and, you know, at a, at a good pace to 27 this month. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, six months from now, if things start to change, do you have plan B plan C in mind? Do you have any other areas you plan on diving into or just, you know, nose to the grindstone? Well, I think about our business model, right? Since it's the single family home asset class, since, you know, kind of the home base for this asset class is getting on long-term fixed debt. Right. So as soon as you have a 30 year mortgage, you're kind of indifferent on what the market is doing uh, in six months and 12 months or whatever that is. So in any type of single family home portfolio, your biggest exposure is going to be on the properties that you don't yet have on long term financing. So at any given point inside of you know, the economic cycle or in our acquisitions, you know, we are very sensitive to the properties that we have that are either under rehab or are currently vacant and on short-term debt. And how can we get those over to, you know, long-term financing? So one of the lenders that we work with pretty regularly uh, this past year, they switched from doing 75% of the after repair value down to 70% of that. So now we know that we need to get better deals. I think regardless of the economic season, the appropriate formula is to buy a single family home is the purchase price plus the rehab cost is equal to or lesser than 75% of that after repair value. That 75% is important because in getting onto that long-term financing, if a bank's willing to give you 75% of that after repair value, then you're going to be able to get all your money back and go out and purchase additional assets. So that being switched to 70%, now we just have new numbers that we need to put in that formula. So in six months from now, if that number changes to 60, 65%, which I don't know if that has ever happened, uh, then we would, we would need to go from there. But you know, at any given time, I would say the important thing to focus on is getting those assets on long-term financing. Hmm. I have a question for Ryan. Yes, sir. It's a little off topic. So management wise, what is what is uh, that model look like for you? Are you guys self-managing or are you turning it over to a management company? We we have our own management company. We self-manage. Uh -huh. so I say manage. We probably shouldn't call it that. We self-manage. We don't manage other uh -huh. people's properties. You don't manage. So you're, you self-manage just your own properties and not or you have a management company that does your own plus others. Uh, it's a management company, but it's only, it's only ours. It's just, uh, nice. yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't say management company. Yeah. We, we self-manage. Let's say that. Mm -hmm. Well, you run it like a company. Maybe that's why. <laughs> As opposed it's to just, it's, Yeah. It's not the, it's not the same entity that owns the assets, you know, and, uh, it, we have, we have five, we have five full-time employees, um, 
that, that wrangle in this portfolio. That, and that's from the project management of getting these properties once we acquire them, uh, doing the scope of work, assigning it to subcontractors to complete the work. And then, you know, then it would get transferred over to our leasing team and they will find a wonderful qualified occupant to live in the house. I want to ask you, Ryan, so, you know, portfolio of over, over 400 doors right now. And then the team, um, what do you feel like, um, and, and this is, uh, I think the thing we didn't cover in the episode so far is this is in a relatively short amount of time you've been investing for, is it a few, three to four years? 2017. 2017. Okay. So about five years. Um, what do you think, uh, if you could attribute one or two things to your success so far, what things do you feel like you've done well? I would say probably the only thing that we have done well is surround ourselves with people that have built uh, the type of portfolio that, that we're looking to. So we have very rarely attempted at uh, reinventing any types of wheels. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about real estate mm -hmm. is, you know, so long as people have existed, you know, real estate has, has been uh, a, a kind of a, you know, an art form kind of in the work. So any problem that you could ever have in real estate hundreds of people have had previously. So there's no, there's no uncertainty of how to fix a problem. And I think if you surround yourself with wise counsel, people that have already had that problem and get their opinion on it prior to taking any action, you'll probably be in pretty good hands. So long as you can, you know, keep those people happy and willing to give you their insight. Hmm. I like that. Are, are you talking about, um, is this a local level for you, local mentors, local RIAs, or are you talking about diving into bigger pockets threads in your spare time? No, your local market is extraordinarily more important than anything that you could find online and finding local investors that whatever portfolio you desire to build, finding somebody that has that portfolio and learning from them, a handful of them, is probably the most important thing. So, you know, that's why I really want to back myself into a box and say, hey, not only do I only invest in single family homes, but I also only do so inside of, you know, Dayton, Ohio or Montgomery County in Ohio. So if we want to talk about things that are happening in Arizona, pretty, pretty, pretty well and pretty quickly irrelevant. Or if you want to talk about the multifamily space inside of Montgomery County, I can become irrelevant very quickly. And I'm not familiar with those problems. So being very specific and finding mentors specific to the type of problem that you are solving is probably one of the best things that you can do. So mm. I think uh, online content is very valuable. Reading a significant number of books uh, in order to get a better understanding of what it is that you're interested in doing. I think that's very important, but there's nothing that could replace the familiarity of your local market. Uh, and the people that have experience in that speaking to your particular situation. Mm, I like that. I appreciate the transparency and the, and the simplicity there. Cause a lot of, a lot of our investors, a lot of our audience, it's, it's very easy to just compare and be like, Oh, this guy's doing this and all these different business models, all these different uh, exit methods. And it's like, no, just, you know, get really dang good at one thing, focus on that, get mentors in that. Yeah, I agree. I think the biggest mistake that a lot of investor and or agents, they just chase the next shiny object. So <laughs> I like that advice, Ryan. That was great advice. That's why that's why 75% of our Trevor truck talks on Thursdays have to do with focus and shiny object syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, we are about at time. Um, 
Tyler, any last thoughts on the market? Uh, any questions for Ryan? Anything else you want to cover before we wrap it up? No, I mean, that was great, great insight, Ryan. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, the market's definitely changing. And I think, you know, just depends on which side of the fence you're on, whether you're an agent, investor, uh, hybrid. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to come. So for me, it's about sharpening my skill set, continuing to strengthen my website, and just be in a position to, uh, be ready when when more opportunities start to come our way, which I think is think is definitely going to happen. Yep, absolutely. This is the time to yeah to sharpen your sword. Um, alrighty, well, thank you everybody for listening and watching. Uh, don't forget if you missed our epic it, Trevor's annual epic planning call. That's a mouthful. Go to care.com/epic. It was just about a week ago. Um, it's a great way to start the year off strong and get your planning done and start this year with a clear uh, strategic vision that you can execute. Um, number two, it's SEO month at Carrot. So go to carrot.com slash SEO. We're dropping new resources, new podcasts, new articles all month long to help you do your SEO really well. So go to carrot.com slash SEO. Start to get your SEO dialed in because like Tyler's mentioned, this is a long game. This is six to 12 months. So uh, the beginning of the year is the best time to get a start on this. And um, yeah, check it out. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions for myself, Tyler, or Ryan, just email me, Brady at carrot.com. I'd love to chat, love to hear your questions, and we'll talk about it on the next podcast. So thank you all again for watching, and we will see you next week.